Hello and welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club episode 87. My name is Mark Champlin and today I'm joined by Alex Wallace. What is up, girls and gays? How's everyone doing? Um, so, uh, you know, obviously this episode going up a little late. Uh, well, I guess not obviously if you're listening to it uh, two days afterwards, in which case this is no longer evergreen. I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, so we had we had, we had to push, it, push back recording by, you know, about 24 hours later, um, which introduced an additional 24 hours hours uh between uh the time that i had seen wing commander and the time that i am now speaking about wing commander and while occasionally that space uh does allow one to reflect does allow one to uh you know sort of uh develop uh their thoughts a little bit you know take a walk think about wing commander think about the the political uh implications of wing commander um but uh the, the issue is that uh wing commander the film um, is uh, a disorienting, badly told mess. Um, and s- therefore, this ex- extra time in between has already allowed parts of Wing Commander to slip away. Uh, but we're going to be doing our best out here to still deliver that hard-hitting analysis that you're looking for. Um, so with that in mind, uh, can you tell me a little this bit... Is- <laughs> This is what people come to the podcast for. They come for the hard-hitting analyses. <laughs> yeah. People are like, you know, I've just, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to function in society. And I don't know how I'm going to be able to uh, approach political theory if I don't have a solid understanding of the sociopolitical implications of 1999's Wing Commander. <laughs> I think the most of the problems that we have today with racism are just, it's because people haven't watched Wing Commander. And they... <laughs> And they don't understand the core concept that some people are genetically better and they can yeah. sense black holes. Yeah, that's true. If people had, <laughs> if people had seen Wing Commander, they would know that racism is bad because people who are oppressed can sense magnetic fields in space. <laughs> um, yeah, they could see the quarks. Yeah. I guess. Um, Tell me about Wing Commander, Mark. Yeah, uh, you can uh, tell uh, this is going to be a fun one already. Yeah, we're, we're jumping the gun on this yeah. one already. Uh, Wing Commander, like you said, is a 1999 uh, sci-fi film loosely based on the video game series of the same name. I say loosely based, although it was directed by the creator of the video games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Chris Roberts. This is just proof that auteurs are not always good. Um, <laughs> also, you know, there are other things that prove auteurs are not always good. Death Stranding. Yeah. Well, well also, turns out, <laughs> turns out just because you made some video games, just because you made some, like, space combat simulators, doesn't mean that you could direct the best feature film. Crazy. Wild. I, um, who could have predicted so, this? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the film was released in 1999, in March, uh, March 12th, 1999, to critical and commercial failure. Um... <laughs> <laughs> wikipedia just really giving it to to chris roberts in the third <laughs> sentence <laughs> I, I know right you know I, I a little thing about this release year uh, that you might know if you know the history of of sci-fi movies uh, another semi well-known you know uh l- little sci-fi movie came out uh in 1999 it's called uh star wars episode one <laughs> the phantom menace all right um, do you want which... to just do this now do you want to just sure is this what sure. we're doing okay i i propose i propose <laughs> that you know so so you know a uh, long time listeners might know that uh our my dear friend mark uh my co my dear co-host mark um 
you know, is a, is a, is a fan of is is a, is is a you know is a Vader enthusiast, is a Star Wars connoisseur, if you will. Um, and I, I and I just kind of think that there was no way that we were going to be able to get through this episode without talking about Star Wars. So my proposal is that we front load all of that, and I'm just going to let you yeah. say what you want to say. All I have to say is like, yeah, this movie <laughs> is a pale imitation of Star Wars, like front to back, and that's yeah. But and then from there, I'm willing to judge it on its, on its own merits, which are also bad, right. <laughs> you know. So there's there's two Star Wars lenses with which we can look at this. There's the <laughs> there's <laughs> I will keep this under five minutes. All I right, <laughs> all right, go ahead. Yeah, no, do it. So there's there's the original trilogy lens to look at this, where like, um, you know, the cool thing about original Star Wars that everybody likes is that it looks like a very lived in universe and. Uh, everything is kind of like broken down and shitty and it just looks like all the ships look like something that you'd see at like an auto repair shop in space. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I feel like they tried really hard, at least for the practical sets. They, they tried really hard to make that, um, kind of the same aesthetic, uh, which it it works to, to varying degrees. It looks okay. It it looks okay. Like like the actual sets, they look like fine. Yeah. Um, I I don't have an issue with them, but like the CG looks like dog shit Mm -hmm. and it makes the, and it, and it totally like erases any uh, sense of realism that's built up by the sets. Um, yeah, it really does take you out of it. Doesn't it? Cause they're they're trying to do that really grimy look. Um, and then, the, you know, there's the there's the other. I'm, I'm sure you're getting to this, but the other side of Star Wars, yeah. where it looks like a PlayStation Two game, you know. Yeah, and it's and it's it's funny because um, you know, what I was gonna get to is that 1999 was the release of the Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. which say what you will about the Phantom Menace, this is the part where I defended against this movie <laughs> at least. Um, Phantom Menace doesn't look like shit it look doesn't look like any movie that has ever been made since <laughs> yeah it really except doesn't for the other prequels they, the prequels but, have kind of aged well in that way because they just look so fucking weird yeah they aged like sega genesis games yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they aged well because they weren't in any capacity trying to emulate reality yeah it's, it's just like yeah so you watch the phantom menace now and it's clear that like everything is shot on a green screen but that being said, there is no weird uh, split between the practical sets and yeah. the digital sets because everything is digital. Um, so that was a smart decision on Lucas's part, I guess, mm-hmm. because he really didn't want to <laughs> fly all over the world and shoot a real movie. <laughs> he really wanted he really wanted those clean textures, you know. <laughs> those those fucking textures. You wanted we got we gotta get smooth water. <laughs> yeah. Smooth water. Yeah. yeah. Have you if you seen that movie recently? Like the the texture of like that that silver ship that they're all riding in is just like insane. Yeah. And it doesn't look like Star Wars at all. Yeah. Which is funny. It's it's just you know those are the two lenses. So it, but also another a, a a thing to keep in mind is like I I feel like they wanted this movie to get out like while like the American appetite was like wet for like a Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like it was very obvious that. Star Wars is going to come out later that year, so they were like, "Fuck it, we're going to put our Star Wars out first. <laughs> yeah. I, I have I haven't read anything that says this, but I just get the feeling they really wanted to put out a Star War, <laughs> and um, yeah, and you know, Phantom Menace is not a good movie, but it still managed to be 
a better movie than this. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No more Star Wars for the rest of the episode. Yeah, we're done. If you start talking oh, about the, Star- the only other, <laughs> okay. I was just gonna say the only other reference to other media is like. This is more. This is much more a shitty Battlestar Galactica than anything. Like the the the, the dialogue, the way that like everybody has their call sign. It's clearly it's trying to be like Top Gun in space, which is basically Battlestar Galactica, yeah. except Battlestar Galactica is good. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the plot a little bit here um because there is technically a plot I suppose if you if you think about it. Um, so you might've figured this out already, but it's the future and humans are flying around in space. Uh, at some point before there were some dudes called the pilgrims who were in space first. Uh, but then they got all weird about it and, and started getting too cocky. And so now people don't like the pilgrims anymore. Uh, but don't worry about that part. We'll get into it later. For now, all you need to know is that there are a bunch of aliens called the Kilrathi, uh, who we basically never see or hear from for 99% of the film, but we just got to kind of take the human's word for it, that they're the bad guys. Um, and so some, some space fighter pilots, uh, who are all just the fucking worst, um, gotta stop the, the kill Rothy from blowing up the planet, like blowing up earth, I think is what they're up to. Um, I don't know. There's a protagonist, (laughs) but he's like, he's so forgettable that like, I have already forgotten what his name was. And I watched this movie like yesterday morning. He's a real, he's a real, uh, real oblivion default character selection screen looking motherfucker. There's a lot of things that add to the like uncanny valley quality of this movie. Like you mentioned, like the mix of like the CG with the grimy sets that add to that. It's also like just, man, the protagonist just has a very smooth face and it just doesn't quite, (laughs) it just, it just doesn't quite look right. Um, So, I don't know. Do you have any other general thoughts on on this movie? I feel like you kind of got it out. Yeah, I got most of it out. It's just, um, there's just a, I, this, this movie, it, you can, you can feel it like cloying at the audience trying to make us care. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does such a poor job of it that like, they, they clearly like, they, I don't know. They they knew they know some tropes about like wartime movies, mm-hmm. and they know and 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 by God they're going to shove those tropes <laughs> in there. Yeah. And they forgot like the most important ones. Yeah. <laughs> so so we did not care. It no. turns out. Um. Yeah. I the the like uncanny valley uh quality also extends to like the acting. Um. In this very strange oh, sure. way, like it's it's difficult to describe. It's like it's like. Every line is just ever so slightly wrong. Every so ever so slightly inhuman and and off kilter and and wrong. Um, and so there's that vibe. Um, and then combined with, uh, did you also just get this real strong gay for pay, dead eyed stare kind of vibes from the two pretty boy male leads in this movie? Because that was they I just... couldn't. That was all I got out of it. <laughs> yeah, they're 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 really a couple of like. A, re- a couple of like butt slapping like like best <laughs> best buds like remember that time at the academy yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we don't talk about that time at the academy when we both got drunk <laughs> yeah they both they both have the really smooth face and they're both like j- really generically handsome um and and like the acting has that quality of like i don't really want to be here but this is how i'm going to be paying rent this month so 
here we go. And it just it just had that like, oh man, watch these two cishet muscular bound freaks, <laughs> you know. Who who do not like sci-fi yeah. and would rather be in like a football movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's I didn't uh I didn't like I don't I don't know if I've said this. I really didn't like this movie. It was very, very bad. Um it made me really angry at multiple points. <laughs> Um, and I think one of the big things, uh, which we've alluded to multiple times at this point, um, it's just real bad fucking storytelling. Um, after I watched this movie, I messaged, I messaged you and we were talking about, um, we were talking about that line in one of the, the old, uh, Mr. Plankett videos. We were talking about, you know, the stuff, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna, you know what he talks about. <laughs> yeah. You know what sci-fi <laughs> series he referred to um yeah. you know and he has he has this one line where he's talking about like you know how you make an audience care about a story and he says the bad guys do something bad so we don't like them <laughs> and like that sounds like the most like no fucking shit thing in the world right like yeah you should show your villain doing something <laughs> evil that harms the characters in some way so that we understand the character's motivation and that just doesn't happen at all, at any point in Wing Commander, like the the villain, like we just have to take all of these obnoxious military assholes, fucking word for it, that they're the good guys and the aliens are the bad guys. And considering that this this space military basically seems to be the U.S. military, um, <laughs> I'm not entirely convinced that they are the good guys. And maybe the weird-looking cat people that show up in the last like two minutes of the movie are actually like really chill. And uh, trying to stop the humans from colonizing space and doing all of their like space settler colonialism. Yeah, that's that's kind of <sighs> exactly what I was thinking when I was watching it, and I was just like, you know, it's it's kind of like if you're doing like a military movie, it's kind of like screenwriting 101 to like make sure that we know that like this military is the good military. <laughs> yeah, and you like you don't do that by saying, oh, these are the humans, because like. I don't know. It's it's we're that's not, super not up sufficient. On humans right now, like yeah, we're not super up on humans right now. We're not I don't know. Super up and on white dudes with guns. Literally, literally, Halo One, which was written at the same time as this movie. In Halo One, it opens with them in one cruiser saying like, "Oh shit, isn't this suck? How the Covenant just destroyed our entire planet for no fucking reason." Mark, and it's like, oh okay, those are bad guys. Mark missing his usual Darth Vader shaped wrath, much grass for another side. <laughs> franchise to make a comparison to um yeah i don't know like it at, at one point in this movie like one of the main characters dies and like it's supposed to be like an a, like an emotional climax of the film that gets us you know like invested and more into it before the big battle but like she doesn't get killed by the villains she just kind of like crashes her ship because she was fucking around too much while they were flying and then she dies and Okay, I said I said last week, you know that um, I was really proud of Uva Bull for putting together a film with a three act structure uh, and characters that made sense and sort of had motivations, kind of. Um, and so, it really is astonishing that the direct to DVD film Blood Rain Two Deliverance. <laughs> I genuinely think is better than Wing Commander because like while Wing Commander is maybe slightly more well-made, 
it is the script is like nonsense like it's and like it not nonsense as in you can't follow it nonsense is as in it doesn't make any storytelling logic you know your your brain expects you know a, a a story to have an arc and 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 to have a structure and to have a rising action and then a climax that is driven by <laughs> characters you know you know what's what's funny <laughs> about this movie is that i don't think that it's like poorly paced or that i felt that it was too long i actually like found myself when it was like 20 minutes left and i was like oh the thing that they're talking about right now is going to be the climax that feels like <laughs> yeah such a boring thing to be the climax there's no like they didn't build up to like a grand climactic battle or something this is just like like the final battle is like them being like oh we know the coordinates that they're gonna show up in so we're just gonna shoot them (laughs) as they come out of the portal one by one we won already (laughs) i was like what the fuck yeah (laughs) that's so stupid i because the movie was 90 minutes long right like almost on the nose 90 minutes i'm like I, it's not that I'm wishing that the movie was longer, but if this, if, but because God knows I don't need another 30 minutes of this. But if they had spent like another 20 minutes of this, or taken 20 minutes out of the bullshit and and made some of these like dumb wannabe character moments, and instead made it about like the world building and given us a reason to care about the characters inside this world, uh, it, this movie could easily have been like a like a seven out of ten like campy action movie from the 90s like they it it all the pieces are there you know like the characters well the characters suck but <laughs> even if the character you know maybe i'm giving this too no, much credit this i don't know it, it's, it's one of those things where like there, there's a common feeling that i get while watching bad movies uh for this podcast and it's that feeling of nothing has happened in this movie and yeah it's yeah. not it's not that events have not occurred certainly there are space battles in this movie certainly somebody uh crashes their ship and blows up and dies but that feeling of nothing has happened comes from i don't care about these characters i don't know anything Mm -hmm. about these characters there has never there hasn't been a development of an emotional conflict between two or more people that i can latch on to that yeah. that changes throughout the story and then you know pops off you know in in, in a moment you know and that's though that is the when you get the feeling things are happening in this movie it is when when character uh you know when when the in, like the hmm, when the contradictions between two characters start to come to a head, that is when you feel like, all right, things are starting to move, things are happening, and that yeah. never happens in Wing Commander because it's just it's nothing. I'm just gonna uh, I'm just gonna bitch about the misogyny for a little bit. Um, uh, so yeah, that I I absolutely wanted to. <laughs> yeah, I really should I really like, shouldn't have used I the word just... the word bitch there because I I don't you know I'm not tr- <laughs> that, that wasn't appropriate, but you know listen, sometimes we we have habits. Um, you know, it's so obviously the, the movie's weird about women, because of course it is. Um, I, but really, I just want to complain about this, like, one particular trope uh, with, with, with quote-unquote strong female characters. I've maybe talked about this on this podcast before when we talked about yeah. Wreck-It Ralph. We, we, we've, we've definitely talked about this in Wreck-It Ralph. But I, I just I fucking hate this so much, and it, and it happens so much in this movie. It's the thing where, like, the way that you they make a strong female character is by just having that character just embrace toxic masculinity like i like every single time the the fucking female fighter pilot commander 
uh, called all the men ladies in this movie, I just got, like, increasingly more angry because it just keeps happening. And I just, it's just. <sighs> and this is the case in um, every time there's, like, a female Marine in the wannabe aliens mm-hmm. movies that we watch, this is always the case. So, so it, it just, it just it washes over me, but I still feel like the grossness of it. Yeah, it just, I don't, it's... It, it like got on my nerves more this time because it, I think it just happens so much, and there's also nothing else good about yeah. the movie to latch on to. Yeah. So it just it just like yeah. grated on me every single time it's fu- it happens. Yeah, the I mean the the sci-fi is so whatever in this movie that the movie just it clearly like really really wants you to care about the characters. Yeah, but when the characters are so shitty, then like <laughs> this is all we have. Then like you you notice every time she says like ladies. Or you notice the fact that, like, both female characters, like, have to fuck a dude. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh, my God. Yeah, speaking of that, do you want to talk about, um, you want to talk about Marshall? Um, oh, the, 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 the Matthew character? Lillard, yeah. the Matthew Lillard character? Yeah, fuck this guy. Yeah, he's the only character name that I remembered from the movie, and it's because he inspired so much hatred in me. <laughs> I just, yeah, he's, ugh. he's the blonde one, yeah. you know, which means he's more of a fuck boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, he is one of the two fuckboy leads. So, sorry, sorry to the blonde ones out there. He's, yeah. he's the more. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, um, I'm just really tired of how often men who are writing screenplays create films where they have a character who is just like openly a misogynist, like constantly belittling women. Uh, constantly, like, you know, questioning somebody's skill at a, as a fighter pilot or whatever the fuck because they're women. Um, and then, like, women are, like, charmed by that <laughs> mm-hmm. and sleep with him. And it's like, I don't... I, f- folks, <laughs> listen. I, I really gotta say that it, uh, if you're going around um, constantly degrading and belittling women... Uh, and talking about how they're inferior to to men, um, and making snide comments about those things. Um, wi- uh, women are not going to want to sl- uh, t- to sleep with you if you do that. I don't know if people are aware of this, but it's not. Yeah, this is like a dude who's like read the game unironically. <laughs> yeah. Like this is this is a whole like subculture of men that. Even the even the mainstream media has like started to shun and make fun of. Yeah, like, this, like <laughs> man, this is just out of touch. It, you know, it's, and the thing about when movies write these characters like that is like it it almost always will use this attitude as like something that is framed as endearing about the character. Yeah, like it's th- just like baffling. we're supposed to be, like we the audience are supposed to be charmed by this too. Like, and I I just watch it being like. Oh, he's like a dipshit. Like this, like I want to stuff this guy into a locker. Yeah. Like, who, I don't care about this guy's misogyny. This was this was one of the the movies uh, that I've. Ah, this is one of those movies where like, I felt my stomach tightening in knots when certain characters were on screen with each other. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I just felt anxious watching this movie every time like that dude was on screen with the female character. Oh, and also the. You, I mm, listen. I know that people are heterosexual and don't understand like what they're coding when they put characters in movies. But I just really, it just it's just sucks that they have like a butch, uh, black woman in this movie, um, and her only role is to have sex with the shitty blonde guy and then die. 
Um, and the role of every other black character in this movie besides her is to be in the background and take orders from a white dude, um, and then, like, type some numbers into a computer. Um, yeah, she, she dies while trying to impress the white dude. Yeah. Like, that is her character. She dies by trying to do a cool maneuver that will impress him. Yeah. Which, um... It's a bad movie. That sucks. (laughs) It's, I really, yeah, um, and it... Boy, it gets worse too. Is the fucked up thing? <laughs> yeah, they they tried to do they tried to do like a racism sci-fi. Oh, metaphor, it's so which bad, dude. Historically, <laughs> goes very well when we when when uh, people try to do that. Yeah. Uh, so you the, know, um, let me. It's just okay. They don't know what they're trying to do. They don't know. They like, they have no. This movie has no idea what it wants to say about politics. Is military bad? No, not really. Sometimes military is a little rough around the edges, but military is still good. Um, and uh, and racism is also bad, but it's uh, uh, but uh, okay, all right. But it's kind of justified. But, yeah, if, but as it's long as cool. as long as if the race that you're racist against were kind of dicks, then uh, I guess. Well, not even kind of dicks. Okay, I'm describe... gonna explain what happens I... in the movie now. So, Ugh. so okay, so what the, the fuck is a pilgrim? So the idea is that the first humans that left Earth to go to space are called the Pilgrims, and and so I hear this in the opening monologue. They're talking about the Pilgrims and their destiny to to colonize space. Um, and I thought that this movie was just gonna be like, just, just, it's just gonna be like space colonialism, like just space manifest destiny, and it was just gonna be like, yeah, it's our duty to go colonize the stars, and the pilgrims were great. Um, and it's like kind of that, um, because, you know, all the, the only aliens we see, uh, the humans are actively trying to murder, um, but, uh, then it's like, then, then, then you find out it's like, well, now everyone hates the pilgrims, because the pilgrims... Uh, developed the ability to detect electromagnetic fields in space so they c- they just have like a third like like a sixth sense that allows them to to know which direction to go and then i guess they were like big ass they they were just dicks about it um they were too good at being space dudes yeah. and and then other people got jealous mm-hmm. and were and did a big racism against them yeah so the so <laughs> so the protagonist is half pilgrim and everybody hates him for it and they're mean to him uh throughout the whole movie but then at the end he uses his genetic superiority uh to save the day uh by using his electromagnetic powers um oh my god stop hold on this movie is literally Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer yeah <laughs> deviation from the norm will be punished unless it is proved to have a utility no but like literally he like leads (laughs) he leads santa's sleigh through the fog he's the only one who can who can sense the magnetic fields in order to drive (sighs) through a quasar fuck it's it's that it's that x-men thing right where it's like oh here we have our we have our (laughs) we have our fantasy metaphor for being oppressed except in real life um as a trans person i can't shoot electricity out of my hands you know i mean if if that if that was the trade-off you know what a different world that would be you know if i had the ability to shoot electricity out of my hands people should be afraid of me (laughs) because i'm 
because I'm going to use it to take what's mine. Um, yeah, check out this shoot electricity uh, <laughs> shot that I injected to my oh gut. Oh, God. It's, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, it, it's just, it's just, it's, it, I don't even, I, <laughs> It's a it's it's a child's understanding of of racism, and it's like, yeah, it's exactly on the level of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. They call him names until they realize he's the only one who can save the day. Yeah, and then it's like actually, you should just respect people's humanity because they're humans, and that's (laughs) that's what being anti-racist is actually. But I can't believe this. Sci-fi film. Pilgrim with your ability to sense electromagnetic fields. Won't you guide our cruiser through the black hole? Oh, what are we watching (laughs) next week, Mark? Girls and gays, are you fucking ready? Boy. We're doing doing another Resident Evil. Oh, my God. There's only two left. It's been a while. It has been some time. I think I remember- After after this one and the next one, one of us dies. (laughs) I- Okay. I after I'm pretty sure it's been like over a year or like at least a year since the last time we did a Resident Evil movie on this podcast. And I distinctly yeah. remember we watched that one and I was like, I need the longest break from Resident Evil movies because we started whatever the fuck the last one was called, Afterlife, I think. Um like yeah. and from like the first like like two minutes of that movie I was already just like, God, I'm so fucking tired of Resident Evil. I'm so tired of this monotone narration and the fucking synths going do, 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 and all the characters who are two dimensional and get introduced and then die immediately. It just, um, it's just, uh, the films are very bad. They're, none of them have been good. Um, <laughs> me, me getting ready to watch another one of these is like, um, it's like, it's like Dr. Manhattan sitting on Mars and saying, <laughs> I've grown tired of Mila Jovovich. <laughs> I've grown, I've grown tired of these movies. Yeah. Um, and the Umbrella Corporation and the T-Virus and the fucking yeah. and genetic the super soldier. It's the, it's, it's, it's the music that really, really, like, it's just pounding into your brain with the fucking... It really hasn't... The, the, it really hasn't changed at all. Like, the first no. movie was, like, a 2000s, like, goo, like, Matrix wannabe thing. And then this they, they, they just keep making those. Yeah, and this one came out... This one that we're going to watch came out in 2012. And I just... And, I, and, I, and like, I know it's going to be... This, like, the aesthetic has not evolved, and I know that it won't. I don't know. We're just... It's... We'll see. Now, what if it's great? Maybe it'll be great. Who knows? Maybe it'll be the best movie I've ever seen in my life. Where can people find the podcast on the internet, Mark? Uh, you can find us uh, on Twitter at Cartridge Cinema. That's at Cartridge Cinema. Join the Discord. It's linked on the pin post, uh, the Twitter. We have good times in there. Uh, iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud or your favorite podcasting app are just some of the myriad of places that you can listen to this podcast. Uh, you should rate us. That would be super chill. It helps us be located by people who are randomly searching for video game movie podcasts. Um, it helps us be the top uh, results. Maybe we are. all the time doing that. <laughs> I know I did when, when we decided to do this podcast yeah. and wanted to see if there were any others. Um, I will tell you this. I can guarantee none of the other ones have listened, have watched the six Resident Evil movies. <laughs> Actually, I don't know that for sure. Uh, they could have. Um, 
If if they have, they're they're just as unhappy as yeah. us. I guarantee um, none of them have watched Red vs. Blue or South Park. <laughs> like, this yeah. is you know what? That's true. Yeah. Um and they're probably not gonna watch Oh, spoilers. Um the music is by DJ Tin Man. The art is by Courtney Kaufman. For me it was Tuesday. Fuck cops! Don't join the military. Peace. 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 Don't join the space. Yeah, don't join the space military. I don't know if I have a ton of. I don't know if I have a ton of post show in me. I could. Um, I don't know. I could. I could. I'd like briefly. Um, you know, last week uh, we were talking about like uh, we talked about Portland. Um, and it was. It, I. I. I had the experience of like throughout the week, like every single time I saw like a new great nuanced take from a very intelligent por- person about like you know. Uh, what is happening in Portland and how it ties into the history of, you know, ICE and the history of Homeland Security and the history of, you know, uh, just colonialism in general in this country. And I'm just like, damn, the things that I said on the podcast were not, did not include all of the brilliant nuance in this particular take. And it feels not good enough, but you know. Yeah. I, I'm really just in a place of wanting to amplify, uh, voices. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, not just in a, I don't know. I, I don't want to say not in a performative way, but it's it's hard to... I just mean, I don't want to be like that person on Instagram who kind of like, you know, all, all you do is just like, you find the like the, the, the pretty looking graphs uh, that <laughs> yeah. talk about the racism and post them, which I don't know. It's... You, you can keep doing that. I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on that, but like... And I know I'm already not this person because I, I go out there and I, and I do the work, but... I, I really want to amplify, you know, marginalized voices who are the the people who have been through this before and who uh, they've been out here for longer than I have yeah. as 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 white as a white straight passing person who you know has not had to confront a lot of these things yet. Yeah. Um. So I really would like to. Yeah. I'm just, I'm I'm it's it's been a it's been a listen and learn uh, type of vibe yeah. for me in the last past week. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna recommend a book. That I've been that I just finished this morning, actually. Um, yeah, it's called uh, "When They Call You a Terrorist: A Black Lives Matter Memoir" uh, by Patrice Colors and uh, sounds like a fucking tearjerker, man. Asha Bandel. Um, this book, um, so it's written by uh, it's a it is a memoir. It's not like a theory book. It's not um, anything of that sort. Um, and it's written by one of the women who founded black lives matter who coined the phrase black lives matter and founded that original organization um that sprang up in the in the wake of uh the ferguson uprising um and i think that um if you struggle with theory which i think a lot of people do or you struggle with um if if the theory doesn't have a a historical or anecdotal example to go along with it i think it can be very difficult to just like I think it could be hard to just like read straight up theory um, and yeah. and and pull things out of it um, because mm-hmm. it it la- you lack an emotional connection to it um, and so that's why I want to recommend this book um, because it is very very easy to read it's very like very simple language it's not heady it's not um, you know theoretical in any way um, it is purely just a memoir from a woman talking about growing up poor and black and queer um and it 
you know, you can, um, you can bridge those emotional connections, you know, uh, through life experience and through, uh, speaking to other people and getting to know people and getting to understand their experiences. Um, but I think reading can be very powerful because people are kind of more willing to bear themselves, you know, on a page. It's a little bit easier. Um, and this, if, if, you know, if you are maybe like me and are white and, uh, had like a upper middle class kind of upbringing, um, reading this book and really coming to understand the concept of there being no one who will help you, there being no systems in place for, for, for you to get any sort of help. Um, you know, she talks about, uh, her brother, um, who, uh, has schizoaffective disorder, um, and, you know, the, a lot of the early parts of the book are just kind of her saying, like, you know, there was no one to go to for help for this black disabled man. You know, um, the only solution that the state has for this person is to put them in prison, you know, is to put them in fucking solitary confinement and just just let just let them fucking rot. Um, and seeing how poverty and incarceration just puts a, a cap on what people are able to, to do with their lives, you know, what, what for puts a cap on people's ability to like fully self-actualize themselves and be the, you know, the best person that they can be the happiest person that they can be, um, yeah, it's uh, it's really heavy. It's a really good book. I'm gonna mm-hmm. say the title again. It's called "When They Call You a Terrorist." Um, it's it's very very good. Um, I think uh, another thing I, I like kind of thought of while reading through it is like you know there are parts of this book where there were things that she said that maybe I don't totally politically agree with, um, and I think it can be easy to get into this into this mindset of like oh well if if somebody if somebody if if the thing that I'm reading isn't like the perfectly aligned with my political uh viewpoint then there's nothing to be pulled from it um which is just mm-hmm. not true you know I, I i pulled a lot out of this even if you know there were parts of it that i would you know maybe have like questions about or disagreements about or whatever you know um it's important to have that grounding in a very material framework of like this is how these systems affect people's daily lives on like a personal level you know um i think it's really important to understand that i think it will make because like you know uh, being a communist is about caring about other people it's about it's it is a philosophy of empathy you know um Mm -hmm. and so i think it i think you know reading memoirs like this um and i'm I'm planning to do more of that reading um that type of reading because i really like that kind of stuff um can help you build that empathetical framework um for for action um so yeah i don't know it's really easy uh to to know a lot of statistics and a lot of numbers and i know that like your average your average like white online leftist who has ever argued with like a fascist or ever argued with like uh with like a liberal online or something they know like they know like 
how much higher statistically uh, and proportionally uh, black people are incarcerated and they know uh, how they know all those stats. They, they understand they, they can re, they can refute the 1350 thing very easily. But like there's there's like knowing the, the stats and knowing the numbers. And then there's like really thinking about like how many fucking like lives are cut short by yeah. every one of those numbers. And really thinking about the potential of these human beings that's being squandered by putting them in a fucking cage. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that, you know, reading, you know, anecdotal things, reading memoirs can, cause, cause we, you know, we, I, I feel like a lot of leftists uh, get not bogged down in the empirical because the empirical is the reason that we're right. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. it's, it's the actual reason that we're yeah, correct. None of this is me like, being like, and therefore don't read Marx. Like, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Like, right. yes, fucking read Marx. Like, of course you should read Marx yeah, or th- listen this, to podcasts where people who have read mm-hmm. Marx can explain Marx yep. to you, which is like kind of how yeah. I read Marx, you know? Right. The, the, these are the reasons that we're right, but the reasons why it's important that we are right are in the details yeah um and yeah, yeah. so yeah, that, keep it, reading pay attention yeah that 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 uh that reasoning is also like why i um i i have tried to read a lot of like queer history to understand my own history um you know that's why i'll tell everybody until i die please read stone but blues um yeah. you know like because I think, you know, it's one thing to be like, oh, yeah, well, I know Stonewall was a riot. I know who Marsha P. Johnson was. Um, I know fuck cops. We don't like cops uh, because they used to fuck with, with queer people a lot. Well, they still do. But, you know, it used to be uh, a lot more, e- even more rampant. Um, you-, you can understand that on like, a, on, like, an intellectual level. It's another yeah. thing to sit with a book like Stonewitch Blues um, and sit with what that experience was actually like for the people that came before you. Um, you know, it's, I don't know. It's very helpful for me in terms of, of really getting grounded on why I care and why I believe the things that I believe. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's especially helpful as well. Um, if you're not as privileged, um, as, as I know I am to live in a place where there's lots of queer people, where there's trans people, where there's black people that I can go out there and be friends and that I have in my close personal friend group. It's very beneficial for people who don't live in places like that to be able to read these things. Yeah, totally. And And like, you know, there's, there's a limit on like how much you can, how much emotional labor, (laughs) I guess, you know, I know that's kind of a loaded phrase, but like how much you can expect from your friends who, uh, you know, maybe have a more, uh, traumatic marginalized background than you do um, you know there's only so much you can expect from them whereas like you know reading a book uh, you know it, you're not demanding anything of anybody in that case you know you're you're just mm-hmm. you know you're just pulling from from the material so uh, yeah I don't know I feel like I've been rambling on this for a while so I think we should wrap it up but um, yeah uh, on the on the download there may perhaps maybe there will be a podcast that is just about queer literature uh, coming down the pipe don't like I, I'm not going to guarantee it or anything, but I keep thinking about I I had the idea in my head to do that, and now I'm like, hmm, I really want... I don't have enough projects. What if I had even more projects? You know? I mean, you, you, you said it. Yeah. You, you said it on, on, on mic, so... I, I did. But also you posted about it on Twitter. I did, I did so post like... about it, but, you know, the, but here's the thing. I could also just never do it, and no one would be able to do anything about that. But I, I do I do want to do it. You know, maybe uh, maybe maybe start reading Stonebush Blues. Maybe just read Stonebush Blues anyway because it's it's a foundational queer text and you'll learn from it. 
Yeah, at this point, it's 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 honestly uh, insane that I have not read it yet. So <laughs> yeah, you should fucking you should read. That's how I'm gonna close this out, folks. Go to lesbiefeinberg.net and either order the book directly from the website or just download the free PDF and read Stonebush Blues. It's very it's an important book. It's just it's also just a good novel. It's just really good. Like it's just it's just great characters and it's it's so much better than Wing Commander. I can't. I cannot even stress how much better Stonebush Blues is than Wing Commander. That there's like sometimes, a spectrum on two different sides. <laughs> sometimes Dr. Phil comes into your life and he hands you a very special book. <laughs> Thanks for listening, girls and gays. That is going to be Cartridge Cinema Club. Bye. Bye. That's another. That's another forty-fiver.